The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. A new bridge in Stockholm linking a poor district with a far wealthier one is provoking fierce debate on Sweden's deepening socio-economic divisions. Why is there so much inequality in a country commonly viewed as prosperous and progressive? Well, for more on this, I'm joined now by Philip O'Connor, an Irish journalist based in Stockholm. Philip, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, tell us about the bridge. Uh, Has it been built? Is it about to be built? Has it been opened? And exactly where is it and who does it link with whom? I'll tell you exactly where it is, Pat. It's about 500 metres from the house that I live in, on the north side of Stockholm, in a place called Shista. You will get an awful lot of Irish people who work there every day at uh, Ericsson, the great uh, network providers there. And the bridge basically is supposed to link uh, two sort of suburbs of the city. One is called Sunby, uh, Sunby Barry, and it's specifically the Ursvik area of that particular suburb. And on the other side, you have Rinkeby. So an apartment in Sunby Barry or in Ursvik there will cost you maybe 400, 500, 600,000 euros, whereas in Rinkeby, it would be very very much an area of social housing with a very high immigrant population and it would essentially be one of the poorest areas in Sweden. Now, you'd often think that, you know, it's sometimes in the debate around Sweden, around immigration, around integration, you hear words like ghetto used. I would be very low to use that, that word because this is still a very, very rich country and I'm not saying that people in Rinkeby have a fantastic time of it and that they're gliding around the place in Ferraris, but they certainly have it better than maybe what they would do if they were living in London or in Birmingham or in Dublin. So it has become this fantastic fantastic touch point, this fantastic symbol of the links between the two. And it's a very, very complicated situation. It's a very Mm. difficult situation to explain. But essentially, you know, by building this bridge, are you sort of letting the people from Rinkeby come over to the Ursvik side, to the Swedish side in inverted commas? Or are you encouraging the Swedes to integrate a little bit more with their neighbours just across the E18 Mm. motorway? And that's the source of the discussion here in Stockholm. Now, what's the purpose of the bridge? I mean, besides uh, linking to uh, suburbs, uh, does it actually serve a vital purpose in terms of a transport link? Uh, I would say that it does, more so for cyclists and pedestrians than for anything else, right? So there's two main roads, if you like, in Sweden. One is the E4 that basically runs from all the way in the south, down around Helsingborg on the south coast there, all the way up to the very north of the country. And the other is the E18 road, which runs basically from Stockholm all the way over to Norway. And the E18 passes, it splits these two suburbs, right? So Sunby Bay is on one side, and Rinkeby, Tiansta, Ulstad, these areas of social housing, would be on the other. Now, there are people who live further out of the city in places is like a place called Jakobs Bay, for example. And it's quite feasible to cycle into the city. And this bridge will be a sort of a key part in linking um, sort of more wealthy suburbs like Sponga, like Jakobs Bay, not least for cyclists into the city. So there's definitely a purpose to it, yeah. Now, the question of whether this is really about immigration, whether it's um, somewhat racist, the people who are objecting to the bridge, because some of them will say, look, if you go to these suburbs, Uh, There is violence. There's gun violence. I even read reports of grenades being found and exploding grenades, uh, at least one of which killed uh, a cyclist who uh, picked one up. So what is going on? It's, again, Pat, it's a very, very complicated conversation, right? There is a vast amount of gang crime. There's basically something that I would sort of compare almost to the Kinnahan Hutch feud that we experienced in Dublin and in Ireland a few years back. There are gangs of very, very young men. You're talking about, you know, 14, 15, 16 who are holding the guns in these situations. These young people are involved in the drug trade and they are basically, they have no respect for human life whatsoever. Now, they tend to only shoot one another. You did mention a cyclist who was killed there picking up a grenade, but they do tend to sort of target one another 
an awful lot of it is to do with respect. But at the same time, it would be deeply unfair to to sort of tar the people of Rinkeby of Tians of Yulsta of Hoosby near where I live with the same brush. Most of these people are the vast majority are hardworking people who just want somewhere peaceful to raise their family, and they too struggle with these elements within their midst. Now, the, uh, the aspect of racism and that kind of thing, that's a word when it's thrown out there, it makes it very difficult to discuss. So I think it's better to frame these things in terms of integration. Sweden has, going back to the Second World War and the, the sort of post-war period rebuilding Europe, Sweden has a long tradition of what they call Jest Arbietra, migrant workers coming to Sweden, the first of whom were from Greece to the former Yugoslavia, Italy and Portugal. And they came here to work in the factories and, and the, the timber yards of Sweden. And, and But integration has always been a difficult thing. Uh, there's an expression in Swedish to invite somebody in with your elbow. So what you're doing is you're not extending a hand of friendship. You're kind of inviting them in, even though you don't really want to have them mm -hmm. there at all. So that's a difficult thing. Even I found it in a workplace, Pat, when I first started to work in offices and that around Sweden, that you worked with people from nine to five, but then they didn't really maybe want a whole lot to do with you because they had their own friends and their own family outside of that time. So it is a very deep and very complex discussion. I think the way it's framed with this particular bridge is that as soon as it's completed, that there'll be hordes of teenagers from Rinkeby coming across, almost like you're watching a battle scene in The Lord of the Rings. And I can assure people that that's not what's going to happen. Now, moving on to something else and the greater security of Sweden, which is the application to join NATO along with Finland. And Turkey will have a, an effective veto on this and they are really annoyed over a politician burning the Koran. Yeah, there's a man called Rasmus Paladan, a Danish-Swedish politician uh, who takes it upon himself to burn the Koran. He did it before the elections last year and he created, you know, he sort of hides behind this thing of freedom of speech. Well, I should be allowed to do this. This is me exercising my freedom of speech and, and they'll, you know, Muslim people will just have to put up with it. He's a deeply unpopular figure, but he does have this very polarizing effect and people who would be anti-Muslim or people who would be on his side of the freedom of speech debate defend his right to do so. Now, th that was great for the current government that just got in that slid in uh, based on the votes of a far-right party called the Sweden Democrats whose roots are in neo-Nazism. They were delighted to have this guy doing that. But then the NATO application came around. And I think it was last Saturday week or two weeks ago, I was actually there, I can't remember what day it was though, uh, Paladan decided that he was going to burn a Koran outside the Swedish embassy in downtown, or sorry, the Turkish embassy in downtown Stockholm. And President uh, Tessip Erdogan in Turkey took this up very, very badly indeed. Turkey has been doing its best to leverage Sweden Sweden's NATO and uh, NATO application for its own benefits. Uh, Sweden would be home to quite a lot of Kurdish dissidents who Erdogan would love to get his hands on, people that he would describe as terrorists and that the Kurds and others would describe as freedom fighters. But Paladan doing this, you know, from going from being a fringe far-right politician to the man who essentially at this point has derailed Sweden's application to join NATO. Uh, the Turkish government more or less came out the other day and said that they will approve Finland, who applied to join NATO at the same time, but not Sweden. Now, it's not over yet, Pat. There's an awful lot of horse trading to be done. There are bigger countries in NATO, such as the United States of America, that can come in and offer influence. They can offer weapons. They can offer access to things that Turkey wants. But this is all part of the horse trading around it. But again, it's not just burning the Quran. It has sort of lit a fire around this debate around integration. And it's really not helpful because really what they need is more bridges between places like Rinkeby and Ushvik and maybe less burning of holy books. Philip O'Connor, thank you very much for joining us from Stockholm. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.